This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Sliders, Season 3, Episodes 16 and 17. Um, Think of a lighthouse. Now, the beam is on all the time, but you only see it as it passes through your field of vision. Pulsars have a similar narrow beam. Only their objective is radiation, not light. Now, if that radiation touches the Earth even for a millisecond, the area that it covers will be devastated. Oh, structures will survive, but uh, any living thing, plant or animal, will effectively be melted. Like a neutron bomb. I guess that's worth killing for, if you don't want anybody to know. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast back in its slide hole. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I wanted to mention the slide hole too. I had forgotten about it till I was watching the show and I was like, hey, there's the old slide hole. <laughs> That's right. We're back to sliders this week. We've been we've been gone for for a little while. We're returning to finish off our best of run of sliders. Mm-hmm. Did you miss it? Oh, it was kind of nice to see the the old gang again for the last time. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Ooh, spoiler. Honestly, it's kind of nice to be coming in. Uh, we're actually because usually we do three episodes per for per season in the best of runs. Um, so for season three, which we're we're coming back to, we've already done two episodes. But the other best of that I kept finding, it kept coming up on the list and kept like coming in number three was uh, Exodus. But Exodus is a two-parter. So yeah. uh, we're getting an extra taste of Sliders season three. And you know, it's funny. When I was looking at the calendar to see what episodes we'd be watching, I accidentally thought it was episode six at first. So I started reading about episode six before I started watching it. And in that episode, it's like a dune buggy episode. There's like a desert planet. And uh, on in that episode, the stunt actor who did all the uh, dune buggies, he's killed uh, in real life on set. Oh. So that episode is oh. dedicated to him. And I was like, oh, Luke, why are we doing this episode? And then I saw we weren't. I was like, oh, good. We don't have to talk about that. And yet. <laughs> and yet here, it is. <laughs> yeah, here we are. <laughs> I, for some reason, had it in my head. That this episode, these episodes took place in um, Egyptian times. I don't know why I thought that, but I was very surprised when they didn't for some reason. It's because of because you thought it was like uh, the the Hebrews leaving Egypt. I don't know. For some reason, I was just like convinced myself that I had seen a picture and they were in Egypt building the pyramids or something, and so I was kept waiting for it to happen. I'll say I think I would have liked that episode better. I mean, it's certainly, uh, with that in mind, that sort of uh, epic scale in mind, this was certainly much lower level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, Jordan, before we get into it, I've got a game for you. Oh, lovely. We're coming back. Uh, we kind of haven't thought about this in a while, so I thought this might be a nice way to kind of get us back into gear. I don't know why I think that's the case, but we're going to play a game of Echo. Oh, right, Echo, nice. Our version of the EGOTs, of course, Emmys, Canadian awards hugos and oscars how many did the creative team the uh writers directors and creators of the show win um and now keep in mind one of the creators of the show is um disgraced director uh what's his name i forget already lantos lantos landis landis yeah excuse me landis john landis is just someone else entirely yeah that's right sorry excuse me excuse me lantos it's john landis not disgraced at all as far as i know yeah (laughs) there's still time 
<laughs> but you know, it's uh, it's it's not like the most extensive team. But yeah, one of the creators. Well, he's not a creator, but he was one of the EPs. Was Land? It was Landis. One of the uh, creators, one of the EPs, he uh, he he created, um, I think, Kentucky Fried Movie and stuff with Landis, mm. and then of course we've got like the writer who created the concept as well, who I think he he's done a lot less, but you know he may have won some awards in there, plus all the writers and directors who are involved. But there's some pedigree here, is what you're saying? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So you know, don't don't sell them short like you want to. I know you want to sell them short. No, no, actually, I have a feeling this is probably one of the shows that. Maybe have some a uh, little bit higher numbers. All right. Well, let's begin. How many Emmys do you think the team behind this one? Now, I'm almost positive I saw at one point that Sliders alone won one Emmy. So I'm going to assume um, that the other people involved also maybe later on won. So I'm going to say three. It is 11 Emmys. Oh, wow. I went way short. But none for sliders. I thought it won one. Not that I saw. Hmm. Uh, it won. Uh, they won for things like the Batman the Animated Series, Kegney and Lacey, uh, a Don Rickles special. That's what Don. That's what. That's what John Landis won an Emmy for. A Don Rickles comedy special in two thousand eight. Oh my gosh! Hold on. It was two thousand eight. Don Rickles won an Emmy, not nineteen sixty eight. That's what was shocking to me as well. That there was an Emmy for a Don Rickles special in two thousand eight. I'm most excited for the uh, one of the directors won an, award, an Emmy for uh, a CBS school break special, Kids Killing Kids. <laughs> that's that's not good. I'm curious. I'm very curious what that what that special was about. Oh, it was nominated for one Emmy. The show. Oh, it was nominated for one Emmy. Yeah, there yeah. you go. All right, then, Jordan. We've got uh, Canadian awards. How many Canadian awards do you think this is won? Well, Jerry O'Connell's Canadian, right? He is. He is. So he's he's got to have won fifty. So I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna be fair and say this one. Let's go with lucky seven. It has won four Canadian awards, <clears throat> none for Jerry O'Connell. What? Uh, one for Adam Nimoy though. <laughs> oh, that's weird. He uh, it was at the Fantasia Film Festival. He won for the Life of Spock, or is that what the Love of Spock? I forgot he directed one of these. Uh, and then one of the other directors, he must be Canadian, because he directed, like, the Jack Layton story, the Don Cherry story, and uh, he won one for Being Erica. Right. <laughs> not his not his lifetime uh, biopics. That's right. That's right. And then how many Hugos do you think the show, uh, people involved in the show have won? I feel like it's less than the other ones. So I'm going to say it's probably similar to Canadian Awards, so I'm going to say four. Mm, Hugos are hard, actually. We, a lot of the times when we've done this, uh, there's been less Hugos than I always expect. Uh, I guess because there's just less Hugos handed out in general. Um, but there was, in fact, one Hugo mm. award for this. Uh, I believe one of the directors as well won something for Babylon 5. Oh, Babylon 5. Our friends over at, uh, what do you call it, podcast would love that. Um, yum, yum. That's right, yum, yum. <laughs> uh, that's funny. And uh, finally, the Oscars, Jordan. How many Oscars do you think the team behind this has won? Um... Okay, I've not done well so far, and I realize that. But I think I'm gonna uh, pull the plane back up, get over that, uh, over that mountain. I'm gonna say two, zero Oscars mm. for oh. the people behind Sliders. Not even John Landis, before his disgrace, could win an Oscar. He didn't win an Oscar for that movie where he killed that guy. Did not, strangely, and it wasn't just one person he killed. For all those people he killed, it's terrible. Not the best. Not the best at all. No, it's not. Well. 
that was a weird segment with where we got some bad topics. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been a lot of people dying so far, so I think that's a nice precursor unintentionally to uh, these two episodes we're going to talk about. Yeah, certainly no one will die in these. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no one for real is going to die. Here's the IMDb summary for Season 3, Episode 16, The Exodus, Part 1. The Sliders arrive in a world about to be destroyed by a star emitting intense radiation and can only save some of the people by sliding them. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I almost got through that without stumbling. It was fine. Yeah, it's pretty much it. This first episode um, feels like a Sliders episode in all of the kind of good and bad that you get with Sliders. I would say it's leans to the less fun that I like about the show. And it's more like, let's take things seriously, but we're not really smart enough to be smart. But it's also this episode is just a setup episode. It's like, this didn't need to be a two-parter, did it? No, absolutely not. But it certainly is. I, I will say this. It... For moments, at the as it gets going, it's like kind of a fun Sliders episode, and then it gets bogged down with the fact that it has to be two parts. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's like I think it was thirty minutes in, I was like, "Oh man, this is this is just going to get nowhere for the next fifteen minutes." <laughs> well, it starts off with a sun exploding. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, and we get to see like a, a very kind of bored-looking woman at a desk reading a magazine about the Cold War. Yeah, she has, she's a, she's in the military. She's some sort of uh, military personnel. Alarms going off because uh, I guess they're tracking the pulsars that have left the exploded sun, and they're not on a, the predicted course t- toward our uh, solar system, and that that means trouble. So she she calls up her boss, some scientist somewhere, to warn him. But then after she gets off the call, someone from the shadows comes. In. Someone very very shadowy appears, jams a needle into the back of her head, and then extracts I guess brain juice. He's taking brain juice out of that head. Yeah. He syringes her and then puts it back into his own head. And then the face morphs to become her face. And we're like, I was like, oh, face morphers. We're, we're on to something now. Yeah. And now I'm just going to say this. And I, I'm assuming you felt the same way I did, Luke. Uh, did you, f- when they kind of reveal at the very end of this, uh, what is happening here? Were you really disappointed? It is bizarre. There is no purpose to the face morphing that I can tell. I'm not even sure why they included it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's not what you think. It's what you think is this person is uh, syringing people um, so that he can take their identity and, I don't know, do evil things, but it's not. Well, that's the whole setup to the episode is just like, we've got some sort of body snatcher on the loose. We've got to deal with this body snatcher. And it is very much the B plot. And eventually it's very much like, oh, JK, it's not a body snatcher. I'll even disagree that uh, to say it's a B plot, I think is more than it is because i actually forgot at one point in the second episode when they bring it back i was like oh i completely forgot there was a guy even syringing people it's so in the background (laughs) well it's a major part of the of the first episode anyway they really it's a cliffhanger they end on Mm. um finally the sliders enter the episode they slide to this earth uh and into a largely empty city the government has sent everyone into bomb shelters claiming that as we know on this planet there is uh no end to the Cold War. The Cold War rages on, and they've been sent down claiming uh, that people have been told that there's been a threat from Russia, so they're all kind of hiding in bomb shelters. So what we see is fairly empty streets. Mm-hmm. And as they are wandering around, they, they're, they're getting most of this information from a, from a um, unhoused person who's providing them just exposition. And then a car spins around the corner <laughs> at top speed, drives at them, flips over, and explodes. And you're like, whoa, here we go. <laughs> uh, and I was glad to see that they've kept the... Uh, the whatever trope, I guess, of the sliders falling through a hole onto stuff because they fall into a couch in this one. You're like, hilarious. 
Yeah, yeah, how comfortable. Yeah. I I feel like it was a note from one of them being like, honestly, it's hurting my back. Can you just, like, give me a couch or something? Yeah, can we get mats, maybe? <laughs> but yes, anyways, this guy drives in. There's, like, a huge car explosion, and they go to rescue this guy, who um, almost immediately Arturo, Arturo recognizes, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a famous uh, space scientist. What show did we watch where people were called space scientists? Uh, I can't remember now. I, was it that vampire one? Yeah, maybe. He's a space scientist, anyways. But he, uh, uh, and then it's like, I think he worked at Caltech is what they said, and he worked on um, pulsars. That's what they said, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the premise of this episode. He's, he's famous for his pulsar work, and as he lays there dying in their arms, he kind of tells them, he's just like, it's off by a degree. I think he just says like yeah. two numbers. He says, it's not 56, it's 57. It's, and they're it's like, 86. Whoa. He goes, Fair. it's not 86, it's 87. And then this episode is a, a bunch of funny little shorthands where like they figure out what this means very quick. And every that happens several times this episode because they're just like, hey guys, we don't want to get bogged down in this stuff, in these plot holes. Let's get bogged down in other stuff that's really boring. <laughs> But before they can get off to solving this mystery, the military police pull up. Apparently, they, went, they were chasing this man that, uh, and caused him to crash. And out of one of the cars uh, gets out the newest member of the Sliders cast, Carrie Weir playing Captain Maggie Beckett. Okay. Now, I don't I think I've ever seen this actress in anything, so I'm only going to be able to judge her based on this character or this performance. And it is uh, abysmal. It's terrible. Her character is terrible. I only refer to her sexy soldier through this. I'm not going to learn her name. I don't care. She's a terrible, terrible character. And they and they try to jam in this, like, will they, won't they, that is so inappropriate and just falls flat. Everything about her character is terrible. And the performance is, is also very flat. <laughs> That's right. I said it. She's terrible. I feel ter- I actually feel bad for the actress because she just comes in. She's like, I am a military person. Like, that's how she delivers her lines. It's awful. <laughs> Coming in hot on a Katie that's Weir right. take. <laughs> Again, maybe she's great. I don't know. I don't know her other work. I haven't looked it up. But, man, is it hard to watch in this one. Well, I mean, I didn't find it as offensive, but it is slider, so I have a low bar. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, she comes in, and what I like is the military basically like, what did he say? Like, what did they tell you? And... inexplicably this slide like i think quinn drops his remote and they're like what's that like a bunch of children and they get the drop on the military guys and beat them all up like quite easily i also noticed that i was like so the sliders are beating up the military uh okay sure they're real action heroes i was just like these are the least physically fit human beings on earth yeah and so like they and then they here's what i'm saying they put her in a trunk right Mm mm-hmm and then the next time we see her, she's just talking to, uh, which we're going to find out, it's Roger Daltrey. Did she even say, like, how she got out of the trunk? No, no. Someone just came by and glitter her up. Yeah. It was just such a weird cut, too, because I was like, oh, I guess that's going to be a thing later on. They're like, nope, she just left her there. They just left her there to die. I mean, I guess the other soldiers were unconscious on the ground, so one of them must have woken up at some point. They didn't kill him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, yes, the sliders head to Caltech to find a dead the dead scientist's office, the one they who exploded in the car explosion. And what they what they quickly discover, they get this out of the way very quickly, is that the pulsar from the exploded sun we saw at the start is uh, going to come by and it's it's with its new trajectory, it's going to irradiate part of the earth, and specifically only the part that is Russia. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Still not good. Uh, still not good. Uh, but as soon as the sliders find this out, uh, Maggie Beckett immediately reappears and uh, arrests them. But this time they're unable to beat her up, apparently. Yeah, that's right. 
And there's like there's this thing because the Cold War is still raging on. Um, the sliders are just like, hey, you know, um, we should probably warn them before this happens. But uh, the American military is just like, no, 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 no. We're going to end the Cold War by allowing this pulsar to wipe out Russia. Okay. Uh, interesting point you made there because we never actually said what this planet is. And I would argue, or this dimension or this version of Earth, I would argue I don't still don't really know what it is. I get the basic idea, but so little is um, explained or layered that it's just like, I'm like, oh, is it, it's the Cold War, but we're in a, under a militarized society for some reason. Like, it's just like, it doesn't, they don't explain it. I don't even think it's supposed to be a militarized society. I think they're just saying it's just like, it's just like our Earth, but the Cold War is still happening. They put so little time into it that that's all I think you're supposed to think. Oh, okay. Because it just, it was, it, because most of this episode will take place in like, what I guess is supposed to be like a military barracks, but it almost looks like a castle. That's the crazy part is it does look exactly like they just got a castle for the episode. And they're like, this yeah. is our military base. I'm like, it, it looks like a medieval castle. <laughs> it was very weird. And all they had to do was add a line and like, oh, we had to like set up shop here for some reason. And the best, most secure spot was this castle. Because it just it's weird that like they didn't dress it at all. Yeah, no, it definitely is just like playing itself. And I could have just used some because they're like, we got to go down to the catacombs of the military base. I'm like, what is this castle? Yeah. Where in San Francisco or Los Angeles does a castle exist? Yeah, it was very weird. Anyway, what we know now is basically that the sliders are captured by the military. They're brought in. They know that Russia is going to be wiped out at some point. And... Um, they're not happy about it, but they don't really have any choice. They're being held by the military. But as they're being interrogated, it comes out that they're not Russian agents like the military is worried about. They're actually sliders. I love how fast they say it. It takes like maybe 15 seconds where they're like, hey, are you guys Russian spies? They're like, no, we're sliders. We came from another dimension. They're like, hey, we're working on that technology. They're like, yeah, no big deal. We know how to do it. We can help you. Yeah, exactly. It just so happens the military base, the military intelligence base they're kept at, uh, where Maggie Beckett's going to interrogate them, happens to also be where they're researching sliding technology. And Maggie Beckett's husband is a wheelchair-bound scientist who is the one leading the search for sliding technology. His slide holes aren't stable, but he does have better technology than them, it, than them in that he can track wormholes and store coordinates of other Earths. Uh, which is something Quinn's remote can't do, so that's why they can never find their way back home. And with this technology, they could, so they're going to team up to work together, basically. This, that's what they've decided to do. It's like, you get us to have a stable slide hole, we'll give you the tech to track where you've been. Okay, now I have something to ask you, and it's going to seem possibly offensive, and I don't mean it to, but I have a feeling, there's a feeling I have about this sort of relationship, and I'll see what you think. So we're going to learn, uh, as you said, that this doctor is a sexy soldier. It's her husband. And they're going to learn later that he, like, was gotten in a wheelchair because of a skiing accident or something like that. Now, at the same time, you find out a little bit about their relationship and their backstory. At the same time, they're really leaning hard into this, like, will they, won't they, with her and Quinn. And it's, I felt it was like, it didn't work at all because I was like, hold on, am I supposed to understand these dynamics of the relationship at all and i feel like they've added him in a wheelchair as a way to uh sort of imply that he wasn't good enough for her now i don't i don't i'm not saying i agree with that but it felt like this weird shorthand of like well this husband what could he do anyways did did you did you get that sense or am i just reading too much into that 
I mean, I didn't necessarily get that sense in their relationship. I, their relationship seemed relatively okay, except for, as you said, a big running plot point is as soon as Quinn meets Captain Maggie Beckett, they immediately are having a meet cute. They're going to have a lot of yeah. time spent together in this episode where they're like clearly just like really hot for each other for some reason yeah. to the point that like she's always just like, well, I've got a husband, so I, I can't do anything about this. And Quinn's just like, don't worry about Wade. She's nothing to me. Like they like throw the other characters under the bus in the weirdest ways. And it's just like you're watching it being like. Because Quinn also has to spend a lot of scenes with the husband. And at some point, the husband's like, yeah. I know what you're doing with my wife. And I'm just like, why is there this weird, weird dynamic where it's like, these two are just so hot for each other. They're going to blow up everything in their lives. Like, it's just such a weird, like, fatal attraction something happened. <laughs> yeah. And it's also odd because as we are going to learn, she's going to become one of the new sliders by the end of this and will become a new character you'd assume they'd have time to build this if that's what they wanted. They wanted to have maybe a love triangle or they wanted to phase out the relationship with Wade and phase this new one in for some new energy in the show or whatever it might have been. But they're just like, we need to let you know right away. Like there's literally a scene later on where they go to a, like a, a planet where people are a little bit more, for lack of a better term, uh, a, a little bit more primitive. There's a, 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 a there haven't evolved in the same uh, technological speed that we have. And they're watching people and they're like, it must be some sort of mating dance. And they look at each other and give each other like, like love eyes. And I was like, this is awful. Like she literally just left her husband. Like he's, he's like trying to s save the world. And, and, and she's, they're like getting, getting all hot and heavy because they're watching uh, the people mate. I was just like, this is awful. Yeah, I mean, that scene in particular was insane. It's like, here's a planet full of really uh, bad. Uh, uh, people in a lower development rung. So they they look like they're kind of cavemen or something. And they're like, yeah. what are they doing dancing around that fire? I think it's a mating ritual. And they're like, this mating ritual is really getting me horny. Let's, uh, what do you think? <laughs> it's bad. It's really, really badly done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they decided they needed to put the sexual chemistry pedal to the metal between them because i mean whatever maybe there's some there i can't really tell like because it's so heavy-handed that like there's no time for any actual chemistry to develop but i'm just like why are they so desperate to let us know that like these two these two would look really good together wouldn't they you guys don't you want to see them kind of like make out a little i'm like i don't know i just met these this person i know anyways that's it's a bit of a tangent but it's a it sticks out badly in this episode in an already kind of like episode that doesn't Come, it's become some sort of cohesive whole at all. It's like, it's just kind of gross. Anyways, that's it, enough. Yeah, that. it's really awkward. It's very, it's a very unfortunate choice to be like, it's like a note came down to like, we got to make sure the audience knows they want to have sex. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, the important thing is, um, have, oh, we haven't talked about, can we talk quickly about uh, the general or corporal, whatever he is? Sure, sure. There's the, there's the cor uh, colonel, I believe it's, it's colonel. a colonel. What's yeah, his name, so, Jordan? Do you have it written uh, down? No, I only called him Roger Daltrey in my notes. It's it's Colonel Angus Rickman. And he's played by Roger Daltrey, which is the weirdest casting ever. Who is Roger Daltrey for our audience, Jordan? Uh, he's the lead singer of The Who. Yes, the lead singer of The Who is is the is the mean colonel in this who uh, is he's, he's basically military intelligence. He runs this base and he's just always kind of, we won't talk about him much till the second episode. He's always just kind of around this episode, kind of giving mm -hmm. orders and kind of saying what to do. But it's just, it's very odd. And he's also apparently the head of this military intelligence, U.S. military intelligence. But he's clearly not American. Yeah. And it's, there's a lot of things. That we, it's a weird stunt casting. And I don't know, I don't know for whose benefit. Like, I don't know. It's not like the kids watching 
you know, 1996 or whenever this episode aired are watching. They're like, yes, <laughs> we get to see the guy from the who it's just, it's just such a weird bit of stunt casting. But anyways, he's this Colonel character. And I mean, he kind of chews scenery. I didn't mind his performance. I thought he was fine, but it's, he it's was weird. one of the better parts of the episode. I thought, I thought if anyone was having fun with it, it was Roger Daltrey who I will say, Jordan, I don't know who that is. Uh, that was, oh, okay. uh, I had to look it up afterward to be like, who's this guy? Oh, okay. Well, I saw his face and I just was so distracted by it because it was just, bizarre to me but um but anyways most of the scenes will be with him and uh, sexy soldier and it's a lot of her being like uh things are happening he's like you just do it think about the greater good that scene happens about 10 times yeah 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 i'm not gonna talk about it a lot we'll talk about him more in the second <laughs> right anyways just wanted to put it out there everyone so just picture roger daltrey i wanted to go back because you were talking about the husband who's been paralyzed and there's a backstory to that that they were you know, they're a real adventuresome couple. They they were uh, real adrenaline junkies. And <laughs> Evidently. He, yeah, we don't see it. But she used to be a, like a fighter pilot. And uh, she only stopped doing that to be military intelligence once he was paralyzed to sort of be with him. But uh, it happened when they were skiing. He says he like they he got he hit a tree and he, he's been paralyzed from the waist down. And that's sort of part of his backstory. But there's a weird bit in there that I just that really I focused in on when he's talking about how he was paralyzed. And then he tells Quinn, he's just like, but, of course, there's a cure for it out in this world, except those bleeding hearts won't let me use it. And I'm like, is he complaining about the libs? The libs won't fix his legs? <laughs> what it felt like was, I, I, I clocked it too, and I think it is maybe a comment on uh, stem cell research is what I thought they were implying. Something to that effect of like a uh, technology that's in its uh, infancy and has possibly some uh moral uh questions behind it um and it feels like maybe this was maybe it's not specifically that but it feels like there was something to that effect that was maybe a bit of a hot topic at that time that they're like hey am i right that's what it felt like and maybe i'm wrong i don't know it never comes back up again so i don't know i didn't know what he was talking about i was like what's the cure like do you have to cut off some dude's head and like rub the blood on your back i don't know like he's just like these bleeding hearts they won't let me use it i'm just like what is this weird like uh right wing dog whistle i get to hear (laughs) it was it was children's legs is what it was he wants to chop off children's legs legs. it was just so bizarre because he's so mad about it too he's like (laughs) "Eh, they're such whiners i'm like what are you talking about who who's such whiners (laughs) You want him to stay paralyzed, bleeding heart liberal? Yeah, yeah, it's me. Uh, he, he's owning me. He's owning my libness. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was just such a bizarre line. I'm just sitting there watching. I'm just like, is this going to come back? I'm yeah, like, it's no. not. No. <laughs> it's like, we want you to sympathize with this character and his tragic backstory. Also, he's a bit of a dick. <laughs> I'm going to argue they don't want you to sympathize with him. There's a weird thing with him. I think they want you to just acknowledge that he's there and have him go away because he's just in the way of our two sexy leads having sexy time, which again yeah, makes so. me think why, why even create him as a character? You, yeah. Like, it raised there was so no reason for him to be married. Why is he there? <laughs> yeah. Why is he there? We don't know. Also, why, if you wanted that, like let's, let's stop for a second. Let's assume you <laughs> wanted to have a character that she could fall in love with or be like attracted to. Yeah. And that character was the man who's inventing sliding technology on your planet. Why not have her married to Quinn on this planet? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Why have her married to a non-Quinn double? Actually, you know what? That's actually pretty interesting because it could be the whole idea of she's already fallen in love with someone 
essentially him and they've had a relationship but this is not the same person so she may still have these feelings for him but he doesn't have those feelings or he can't reciprocate them in the same way and that creates an interesting dynamic that's well that's she's just something. lost her quinn when Ooh, yeah we'll see eventually he's going to die that opens the pathway to this relationship so there's a lot more it seems oh, Luke, like it would have made sense this is so much better let's write this episode great Anyway, let's move on with the plot. Um, Rembrandt's there too, but since he has literally nothing to contribute to sliding technology, he gets saddled with meeting a kid graffiti artist on the base um, who who this kid, that woman we saw get uh, her brain's juices sucked at the start, that was his stepmother who, she didn't die afterward we find out. After the face dealer took her brain juice, she's just been in a coma? And they they mentioned the... It's so funny. They mentioned the coma people so many times, but they keep giving you more information about the coma patients, and I don't know how they obtain this information. But, like, because poor Wade and Rembrandt, they don't know what to do with them, and it's getting... It seems like the writers don't really care. They're just, like, there, and if they just need to move the action forward, they're like, oh, we'll give Wade a couple lines, or we'll give Rembrandt a couple lines. But they keep, like, going, oh, I noticed there's 36 people in a coma, and I heard all the coma people are this, and all the coma people are that. And I was like, where are they hearing this? Are people, are the military guys just, they're on a military base. Are they just the casually having conversations? Yes, it's, it's the hot goss around the face. Um, but I have to say two things about him and this child. One, I'm positive we've seen this plot line before. It feels a little bit like, um, remember in that show uh, uh, where they're in the diner, Nightmare Cafe? Mm, yes. Remember, remember he sort of like was with that kid and he was having a relationship with that like um, uh, a ghost child? And they yeah, like play basketball I together. I know, I know what you're thinking of, though. That's not what you're thinking of, Jordan. You're Isn't literally it? thinking of when Dark Man met the kid graffiti artist and they hung out. No, that was good by my second point. We've seen this same sort of plot line several times. That's the first time when they were playing Mike and the Mechanics. And then this the next time we saw Dark Man also have a relationship with a child. There's this weird like trope, I guess, of maybe humanizing a character in a quick shorthand to be like, they care about children. But this episode, I'm going to argue doesn't do that for Rembrandt and makes it look like he's grooming this child. It's creepy. <laughs> it's just weird. He has nothing else to do, so it's just him hanging out with this kid whose stepmom is in a coma, waiting for... And this episode is mostly him waiting for the his father's military guy. He's being he's being brought to the base to take care of his son after his mom was put... In, the stepmom was put into a coma. It was also weird they made her stepmom. I just didn't understand. Like, why do I have to know this extra step of the stepmom thing? But anyway, yeah. it doesn't matter. And anyway, most of the scenes we see with him is like the kid shows Rembrandt around the base's catacombs and has Rembrandt run into a force field. This I don't understand. This base also has force field. Like he tries to walk out a door and there's a force field for some reason. And the force fields never come back. They're just like, oh, it's got force fields. That's why they can't get off. You're like, oh, okay. Why do they have force fields? Don't worry about it. Keep going. It is just like, I'm like, what is the technology of this world? Like, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just a hilarious scene where Rembrandt falls down. And, and the poor actor playing Rembrandt has to like really sell it about how invested he is in this kid because it's his the only thing for his character to do with this episode. So he's just like, this kid, and like he needs stuff, and I need to help him, and I love him. And it's like, you've literally just met this kid. It's it's weird, man. It's very, very weird. Anyway, we kind of get to we'll get to the midpoint around now, is that the the pulsar arrives, which are these weird I don't I doubt this is what a pulsar looks like. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not based <laughs> on what I read. But it's like a it's like a cylinder, it's like a cigar with two open ends that like light is shooting out of. Like that's what these the pulsar mm-hmm. looks like, the spinning like cigar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the, tech, the technology in this is not great. The, the science in this is not great. The science is not great, excuse me, yes. Yes. I mean, technology is probably not great either. But. 
it finally reaches Earth and it obliterates Russia. Russia is annihilated. Um, and there's still been like, I thought that the whole thing was going to be a, you know, I thought the big moral issue would be like, they have to convince the military to tell Russia because it's not right to wipe someone off. No, no, Russia's wiped off. And I think Roger Daltrey explains, he's like, we couldn't tell Russia without letting China know about our surveillance tech. And as we all know, America is number one. So uh, sorry, Russia, you're out of here. Again, I don't know if this would have made this a more interesting episode because I think it's probably not leaning into Slider's strengths, but there is an underlying moral question here where maybe a smarter show could have delved a little bit more into about the idea of your enemies and letting your enemies die because it's advantageous to us. To protect your technology. (laughs) Yeah, or whatever it might be. There's an idea there, but this show, again, it's like, why even add this in? Because you guys have no interest in discussing it. It's just information thrown at you. And this whole episode is just like that. Like, here's something it's thrown in you. Is it important? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Next thing, information. Pro- inf- you know, is it important? Probably not. And it's just like, it's a, it's a weird scrambly episode. And two scrambly Yeah, episodes. I mean, it's interesting color, but it should have been the crux of the episode. And it's really not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, all the Russians are dead. All the Russians are dead. And they soon realize... That there were more pulsars hiding behind that first pulsar. <laughs> so many of them that they're going to irradiate the entire planet instead. That's right. So they're like, oh, we let them die. And guess what? Everyone's going to die. Uh, and the only chance now to survive is to slide people off of this earth. We're going to need that sliding technology to rescue humanity. Again, interesting idea. The idea that there's a greater use for this technology and you can you can actually evacuate people not only from place to place, but to an entirely different dimension, that's a really interesting idea, which is going to be the engine that propels the the next uh, end of this episode and the f- next episode is um, the, not only the decision of who's going to get to go, how to do it, but also to find a- an acceptable planet. Weirdly, they don't spend much time on any of that, but those are things that pop up. Yeah, I mean, that becomes the plot. Now, it's just kind of what's kind of weird about this is like, you know, we're reaching, we're halfway through this episode, and the plot like completely shifts gears. And like, now here's the mechanics of it. Like, it's finally introduced. What you thought was going to happen, Russia's like, you thought it was going to be a thing about not letting Russia get eradicated, not the case. Now it's about we have to, we're on a racing the clock to get people off this earth before it gets irradiated. It's a very slow burn to get to what the plot's going to be. And Luke, I have a question for you. Uh, does the sliding technology work differently than what we've seen before? Or is it just uh, the combination of these two worlds technologies, Quinn's and Wheelchair Boy? Is this like, because it seemed like they can they can pinpoint, not only can they, uh, they don't know where they're going, but they can like record it now on the device, right? To go back if they need to. Yeah, that's what that's what the thing is. That's what the whole start of the episode was. Like I said they can right. track, they can record and store coordinates. Um, that's that's the technology they have on this world. They haven't perfected sliding, but they perfected this idea. Right. And it's what Quinn wants, because if he can track where they've been, maybe one day they can find their way back to their planet. But this uh, this idea now that they're new, the new idea they're under now that they have to get people off this planet kind of introduces what uh, what's going to give Wade something to do this episode, and that is that uh, Colonel Angus Rickman uh, he basically announces that. Um, it's come down from the White House. They've been assigned the uh, the task of like finishing slag technology so they can evacuate people off this earth. And he's like, Wade, you're not one of my people, so you're the only one I can trust to make a list of who's going to survive. And uh, he gives this task to Wade, and Wade to me is just like, no way. There's no way I'm making a list of who, who lives and who dies. And he's like, 
come on, do it. And she's like, okay, I'll do it. And I was like, what? It's very <laughs> weird. It's very weird. And I think even as we get to the eventual reveals of some of these questions that are raised, I still don't think it really makes sense. Because she has to like do all this work and he starts making the list more specific to uh, specific criteria. And it's just like, but why is Wade doing this? And they're just like, because we need her to do something. And we've already, we're already getting bored with this character and the writers don't know what to do with her. It is just very funny because it, they started off and they answer the question. Like if you're sitting there, you're like, why would Wade do this? And your first answer would be like, she wouldn't, it's, it'd be too morally offensive. So they have her yeah. have that reaction. And then the Colonel just keeps talking. He's just like, but I need somebody to do it. Come on. It'll be good. And she's like, okay, I'll do it. I'm like, but it doesn't make sense why she would do it. She's just yeah. saddled with this task. And as you said, like as the episode progresses, it becomes clear that uh, Colonel Colonel Rickman reveals, he's just like, oh, actually, the White House didn't tell me to do this. I haven't told them. Uh, I don't want politicians to come because, you know, those dirty politicians, Wade. We don't want them coming. They're useless. And Wade's like, well, you got me there. I do hate politicians. Uh, so it becomes clear that he's he's gone rogue. He's only going to bring people from the base. And as you said, his criteria keeps getting narrower and narrower because as they work on their slider technology, he's just like, well, we can only, it turns out we can only take 300 people. So narrow the list down to 300 and make sure they only have this kind of blood type because old blood types are the most universal. And it, her whole thing is just like every time you meet her, she's just like stressed out because he's trying to figure out who lives and who dies. Yeah. And again, there's something here that's possibly interesting. Again, maybe enough of an episode for like a Wade episode if you want to give that character something to do about this idea of, like you're saying, choosing who lives and who dies. There's something there, but they do it in the weirdest, most like as an afterthought to this episode. And I'll make one other uh, point. We're now we're probably like, what, 30, 35 minutes into the episode. And I probably at this point, I've already forgotten that there's a person, a murderer or a, a coma maker out there who's uh, who's injecting people or yeah, sucking yeah, brain juice. You just forget that's there. There's too much happening. It's pretty sidelined because they have so much setup to do because they have to set up one thing, change it, set up the next thing. It's a, a lot is happening. Yeah. I mean, at this point, we've hit the premise of what these two parts are about. It's like we got to find a way off this earth for all these people. Part of that is that that means Wade and uh, not Wade, sorry. That means Quinn and uh, Maggie have to now start searching for a possible new Earth. So we now get some slider sliding action. They're going to slide around and find a new Earth for them to go to. This is where a lot of the meet cute happens, where they're they're yeah. alone together. They're like so. There's like they're so physically attracted to each other. Every slide is so awkward. I'm like, okay, sure, why not? But what I like is. They're like, we have to go to as many Earths as we can to find an appropriate Earth to slide to to bring all these people to, like a new home. Yeah. And they're like, we only have a few hours left to do it. So what we should do is set the slide timer to do 30 minutes on each Earth before we come back so we can check it out. I'm just like, 30 minutes is too long for the amount of time you have left to look into new Earths. I agreed. It could have been five minutes. Five minutes. Run around. Does this look good enough? Because like... The first time, I think, in the pilot they slid to an episode, it was like an ice world. I'm like, you're going to know a bunch of things pretty quickly. And I'll just say, one of the worlds they go to is so stupid. I think it's the first one they go to. The first world they go to. It's amazing. It's giant Uh, world. The world of the giants. (laughs) Why? I don't know. And, And they find they're on a golf course. Can you believe it? They're walking around. The grass is too tall. They look up. They see a huge orb. And they're like, what is that? And then a giant golfer. And we're talking like they are smaller than a golf ball. A giant golfer comes up. And they're like, oh, no. Run and hide in this hole. And inside the hole, they find a rabbit. And they're like, oh, no. Quinzel's like, be careful. 
things are a little different on other worlds. Maybe this rabbit won't be friendly and it has vampire teeth or something. Yeah, just for reasons. It's so insane. This is the most insane world they've ever slid to. Yeah, I kind of was hoping that would be the world they go to because like if you think about it, there's so much more space. That's true. You could put as many people as you want there. No one will notice. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, that's it. They're sliding to other worlds. They're trying to find a new home. I think that the second world they slide to is exactly the same as Maggie's world. In fact, they're like arrested by Maggie's double on the military base. Mm -hmm. And it's used as a way to both further the romantic plot between Quinn and her, but also to reveal something about her character because they're only able to escape interrogation with her double because Maggie reveals her weakness and her weakness is being flattered by men. Yeah, it's bad. And I I actually thought when they did this scene, they were going to have it be a bit of a joke where she says that to Quinn, but Quinn is so not charming because he's forcing it so hard that it doesn't work. But it does work. And he's just like, every time she says something, he's like, wow, you really got you're me because so you're so smart. And she's like, oh, I don't know how to deal with this. Basically, it's a dumb scene so that he can distract her and then real uh maggie sexy soldier hits her from behind they get the drop on her they get back they slide away. And, and they slide away the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what it says and you're right it's there to like quickly build the character of who she is but i'm like is this a character trait that's interesting it was so funny it's just so funny because they're like maggie you have to tell us your weaknesses it's the only way we can overcome your double and she's like all right I'm really susceptible to flattery. And Quinn's like, great. Why don't we flatter you when you come back in? He's like, she's like, no, not the flattery of women. I hate that. <laughs> I only like the <laughs> flattery of men. I was like, oh my God, come on, you guys. Yeah. Anyways, the important thing, important thing is they're back. And I think they have like a whole scene where they're back for like a few minutes and they're going to go out again. It doesn't matter. Don't worry matter. about it. Yeah, I'm skipping yeah. all that stuff. Don't worry about it. We'll come back to where they finally slide to. You've mentioned it already, but we'll come back to the, the when they finally find a home. Anyway, back on the base, uh, the graffiti kid's dad has arrived to take care of him. And you're like, great. Now Rembrandt doesn't have to spend any time with him. Uh, no, uh, shadowy face stealer pops out, steals his brain juice and puts him into a coma. too. Yeah. So for some reason, he struck both members of that family. It's crazy. It is crazy. And as soon as he's knocked unconscious, uh, Rembrandt and the boy turn the corner and Rembrandt becomes Sherlock Holmes. Is that what you say? You think he's Sherlock Holmes? Well, he turns the corner. He's just like, did you notice the light bulb was removed from above his door and broken on the ground as if to draw him out for an attack? That's true. I think these comas are malicious, not just random chance. And they're like... (gasps) Rembrandt, what do you mean? He's like, I'm going to detective this out now. <laughs> well, see, I, I didn't even think of so much as a Sherlock Holmes thing, as much as just symptomatic of this episode, which is characters have to make revelations and realizations very, very quickly. So it just comes off silly because it's the same thing later on where they when they eventually look at all the coma patients and they see that they have the like, syringes in their necks. Like they just make these connections way too fast. And the thing is, this episode had time to breathe and let these things you know uh act out in a more logical manner but they just have well, they want to spend so much time doing these stupid gags with uh sexy soldier and quinn no no rembrandt has to solve the mystery that's what happens he, he's like telling them he's just like i've been asking around and like there have been 20 coma patients in three months on this base i think this is the work of some uh you know agent who's doing something to people mm-hmm. and they're all like well we don't have time to worry about that we've got to we got to get off this plan he's just like no, no, no. I'm going to investigate because what if we bring the evil with us? And no one else cares. It's just Rembrandt. Yeah. Oh, and I should mention, I know we haven't talked about it. Arturo's in this episode too. 
Yeah, he's like, he's hanging around somewhere. Um, <laughs> anyway, there's 22 hours left. The Paul Star is going to wipe out America east to west, which gives them the most time because they're on the west coast. They have the most time to get ready. Yeah. And it's finally revealed at this moment when, when we're at the highest amount of tension at the end, nearing the end of this episode, who the face dealer is. What we see is we see a soldier on, on patrol. He's looking around. Someone sneaks up behind him and jams a needle into his neck. And they, then the camera reveals as his face morphs into the soldier that he only becomes a soldier for arguably four seconds. Like his face morphs for four seconds yeah. and it morphs back and it's Colonel uh, Rickman. The evil Colonel Rickman is the face dealer, but he's not actually stealing faces. It turns out it's just a weird thing that happens when he takes brain juice. Yeah. And and it's weird because it felt like they couldn't even keep that going for a whole episode. Like it's like, is he stealing faces? Nope. It's like, well, why did you even do that? What was the point of it's that? It's such a misdirect for no apparent reason. I'm like, it, you could have just had someone stealing brain juice. You didn't need their faces to morph for a few seconds because it didn't it doesn't do anything. That would have actually been better if every time he injected, he went, ah, brain juice. <laughs> it, yeah, it's just so weird because they set it up like it's there's a doppelganger on the base, which immediately you question because they're like, oh, well, we found that soldier and they're in a coma. I'm like, well, I don't understand how this face dealing is working then because now you just look like a soldier in a coma. And then later they realize like, oh, it, well, it's only for fun for like three seconds does your face morph when you take, when you jam a needle into someone's brain, suck out their cerebral cortex juice or whatever, jam it into your own neck. You'll very briefly turn into them. That's science. That's just normal science. Uh, but you go back to yourself very quickly. Yeah. I, I think it all checks out. Anyway, as we sort of mentioned, Quinn and Maggie will find a suitable planet. It is this planet where the indigenous population is like hundreds of thousands of years technologically behind their planet. Yeah. And it's just, it's not that they, they're kind of, they're like, we don't love this planet, but we're running out of time. So we're going to take this planet. Right. I mean, as soon as you see it, you're just like, Ugh, so many, so many questions around the ethics of coming here, but well, whatever, that's part of it. Well, and, and later in the second episode, they're going to sort of lean into this a little bit in terms of the villain's uh, motivations and his feelings towards this. But I don't think it is enough to correct the actual grossness of what the writers are kind of implying here anyways. You know what I mean? That there's just like, well, I guess it's good enough. I mean, they kind of want to use it and they want to comment on it. Like, they don't not comment on it at least, which is something. But it is, you know, as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, no. And I realize I'm getting ahead of myself, Jordan, because this is not the third planet they slide to. No, you're right. The third planet is just like Earth. They slide there. They slide right in front of Quinn's house. And when he goes to check it. The gate is squeaking and everything, Jordan. Mm-hmm. And his mom turns the corner and she's like, Quinn, you've been missing for months. And then she says something, a little MacGuffin, I think, tell us that he's back on home. She's like, I found your Mother's Day gift under your bed for me. And he's like, no one else would know that but my mother, because that's what I did on my Earth. Mm-hmm. We're back on my planet. Quinn has found original Earth, Jordan. Yeah, it's finally happened. They found Earth. And you think, this is perfect. We can bring these people to actual earth unfortunately for reasons um sexy soldier maggie um starts having like like asthma attack the air on this earth is poisonous to her (laughs) yeah and it's like why that doesn't work the reversal um and all the sliders are into a poisonous air earth i don't know but yes quinn has to uh, basically go sorry i'm gonna come back and he has to grab Maggie and then bring her over uh, back to the planet. That's not quite what happens, though, Jordan, because they're stuck there for 30 minutes where she should have died. 
That's right. Well, no, no, but they have a line later on where the where the nurse goes, because um, that they they're in a scene where the uh, wheelchair doctor and Quinn uh, are having kind of like kind of an argument, and he's like, "You, I know you're in love with my wife," blah blah blah, and then the nurse comes and is like, "She would have died if uh, Quinn hadn't brought her back," and I want to say, "Yeah, she also wouldn't have been sick if he didn't bring her to the planet." I I don't know what, I I don't think I should give him a pat on the back on this, but anyways, it's just so that you'll be like, "Yeah, Quinn's a good guy." I don't know, man. I This is a very funny sequence because they go to her Earth. They meet his mom. He's very happy. She starts choking and dying immediately. And I'm just like, well, you've been here two minutes. She has 28 minutes before she can leave. She'll be dead before you get here. But they rush her to the hospital. There's a whole scene where they're at the hospital. And we kind of skip most of the 30 minutes. But it's my favorite part of this episode is they're at the hospital. The doctors are working on Maggie. They can't figure out what's wrong, why she's dying from poison air. Yeah. And I guess the timer is reaching zero. And Quinn turns to his mom and says, I promise I'll be back. And then he starts pushing the doctors out of the way to grab Maggie so he can slide out. And one of the doctors says, what are you doing? And Quinn says, it's called sliding and then punches the doctor in the face. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about this whole sequence. Yeah. And then he he slides in, out in front of them. And I was like, Quinn, you have to go back to this world. If this is the real word, you, world, you have to go back and explain this now. I just love the idea. It's just like you push a doctor the way. The doctor's confused. He's trying to save someone's life. And he's just like, this is sliding. And then he punches him straight in the face. I'm like, I overkill, Quinn. I think that's overkill. <laughs> but it's not because he saves Maggie. They have this conversation, like I said, with the the doctor and him. He that We know that there's a little love affair happening, um, even though it's not. And But Maggie's okay. She's saved. So that's not going to be an Earth. They got to go to one more planet because they're running out of time. And that Earth clearly doesn't work. But... Hopefully our sliders can get back there. Yes, Jordan. But everything we've done, we've just talked about, that doesn't happen until episode two. So here's the IMDb summary from the next episode. Oh, let me mention one quick thing real uh, quick. The mom was like, and and I found this because it was my birthday thing. And I and I thought with the necklace, I was like, did they slide on his mom's birthday? I don't know. I, he might have been planning ahead. Right. Real quick, Jordan. Are you the yeah. kind of guy who just buys birthday gifts like the day of? No, no, no. I just, I, I thought it was implied that like, it was the the birthday, and then that's why she was looking for him, and she found the present. That that's why I thought I'd know I would, <laughs> I would buy my mother's present ahead of time. Come on now, just checking, just checking. Anyway, here we go. Here's the IMDb summary for season three, episode seventeen, The Exodus, part two. Rickman murdered the professor and your husband. Tell her. It's true. I saw it. He shot him for no reason. Look, you probably discovered that Rick was responsible for the coma victims. He's been stealing their brain tissue. I don't understand. You want answers or you want justice? I want revenge. One of the sliders is lost during the mission to save a doomed world, while Arturo and Wade battle an egomaniacal military commander over who will be rescued. That's right. And I would say this is a better episode. Not so much because it's actually better, but just because it's a resolution to all these um, these plot lines, or at least most of the plot lines. So I think it was a, a slightly better episode, but overall, I'll say again, this is not two episodes of TV. So you just like this episode because it has an ending. It has an ending. Yeah, I'll say that. Well, the first episode, what do you? it's like it's not an episode of TV. It's just a setup. It's boring. Yes, as we've said, this begins with uh, Quinn returning to base with Maggie. She's, of course, rescued right away. They bring her to the inexplicable World War II hospital on the base. (laughs) It does look like that's funny. The nurses are dressed like they're from World War II, too. I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) 
Yeah. Anyway, these sliders are excited because now they can go home. They found the planet in the in the slide device, the uh, the slide device of this world. They now have the coordinates stored for the planet. It's very exciting. Rembrandt's just like, hey, let's just open a portal and go. And Quinn just won't let that happen. He's just like, we need to rescue these people before we go home. We're not opening a portal till then. So I have two questions for you, Luke. The first was, do you agree with Quinn? And the second, is this consistent with uh, his behavior in previous episodes? I do not agree with Quinn. Here's the thing is, I realize later what they're trying to imply is that like, if they open the portal they have to bring the timer through it for some reason, which I was just like, that's not the case. You can just open the portal and send them back because they're just like, we can't go to our home because then we would take their timer with them and they wouldn't be able to use it to slide away. And Rembrandt's mm. point is, he says, he's just like, well, just leave them our timer. They can use that. And they're like, well, our timer's not happening till after the planet's irradiated. So that wouldn't work. Like they do this whole back and forth about how they can't do it because of the timers. But I was just like, we'll just open the portal and send Rembrandt and Wade through now. Yeah. And then keep the timer on your side. You don't need to send the timer with them. Yeah, it was very weird. I know because they're like, they're home. They don't need the timer. I thought the same thing. It was weird because I think they want to set up Quinn as the moral figure here. And it's sort of like the 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 needs of the many outweigh the few. And just because they want to get home, that's not as important as saving hundreds and hundreds of people, which I get. But I, the way they did it was like, I'm like, well, there's different ways around this. And also Rembrandt makes a good, he makes a good point, which is like, but you're not letting, leaving us the choice. Like we should be able to do what we want to do and you're not in charge of us. And it does get to a point where like he actually hits Quinn and I was like, good for him. But yeah, I was also um, happy to see Rembrandt hit Quinn. <laughs> yeah. I was like, cause he was being a jerk, but at the same time, I, I'm pretty sure they've just like messed up a bunch of societies before where they've gone in and jumped out and like not really cared about the mess they've made. So it's weird that he's now taking this moral stance. Like, I don't think this is the first time where it's been life and death. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was very weird. Cause it did seem like there were some pretty easy solutions. Like we're just, you could just open it. They don't need the timer. They could just go through it. And I'm just like, and you don't need Rembrandt and Wade. There's no, they have no purpose. You're like, if you want to stay and help them and Arturo wants to stay and help them, sure, go for it. But like, uh, Rembrandt's literally standing around with a graffiti kid. Like, just send him home. Oh, and also, he he makes it also a better point, which is he's like, "You're the reason I'm in this. You want yeah. to slide. I didn't want to slide. Your stupid slide thing, slide hole, flew through the r- roof and uh, hit me while I was driving to my gig." And I was like, "He makes a very good point. He's a he's a uh, 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 you know casualty of your uh, bad science. So like, let him go home." Anyway, this whole scene is set up at the beginning here because they want some tension between the main Sliders characters mm-hmm. that at the end of the episode, they'll resolve with no, like, there's like, sorry, sorry, okay, let's keep going. I'm like, it, okay, what was the point? Be, be, well, there's no point because they also don't have these characters and scenes together. You're right. They set it up and you think, oh, it's going to be that maybe the Sliders will both be doing what they think is right and these two things aren't the same, so they might actually be at odds through the episode. But it's like, no, no, Rembrandt's going to go spend more time with his kid. Quinn's going to go spend more time with uh, Sexy Soldier. Uh, it, and then at the very end, they're going to see each other and they go, hey, sorry about that. And they're like, no problem, man. That's it. Yeah, it's all over. Um, at, at, since it's picking up from where we left off last episode, we kind of see a little bit more. We know that uh, Colonel Rickman's the bad guy. And just to drive that home, we see him stealing more brain juice. But yeah. this is insane, the scene where we see him do it. It's in the middle of a crowded church where the priest is literally looking at him and he's stealing some guy's brain juice and injecting it into his head, like in the middle of a crowd and no one notices. Yeah. Why did no one notice? They just didn't? I don't know. I don't know. I was just like, 
okay, well, he seems pretty brazen to be doing this in front of people, but uh, apparently no one has noticed. I think it's because he has a cloak on or something. Yeah, he's got that magic cloak on that we forgot to mention. <laughs> anyway, and that's part of the thing is he's gathering more brain juice because he's going to need it for the slide when he moves to a new world. Um, and then to also heighten the stakes, apparently civilians are gathering at the gates trying to bust into the base because they think they might have a bomb shelter, which they yeah. sort of do. They have those catacombs. Um, but just to like drive home the stakes and how evil Colonel Rickman is, he basically orders them all shot and the military kills all the, all the civilians outside. Yeah, and you're like, oh, he's really evil because we didn't think he was evil enough because he was stealing brain juice. And if we didn't think he was evil enough, he's also told Wade, drop that number of people who in the slide down to 140. We're only bringing 140 with us, and they better have this brain chemistry. Yeah, and so I think we could probably talk about this now. What's becoming more and more clear is that he uh, just wants uh, a human uh, reservoir of this brain juice. So that's why he's been narrowing it down. And he's getting to the point where I think it's enough for him to sustain himself. Although I was kind of thinking, I'm like, let's say they bring 150 people and he's clearly needing to do this quite often. He's not going to last very long. Like he's got maybe, let's say it's every other day. So what, 300 days he wants to live? I was like, this is not, <laughs> I don't know. It, this is it raised a lot of time. questions they didn't have time to get into. Because yeah, we're going to say he's got some sort of disease of some sort. Oh, no, we'll it's get a fungus. to it. We'll get, it's a fungus. To it. we'll get to it. Don't worry. Fungus. Um, but yeah, it, this, and this is just done so that Maggie's more upset by like the number of people she has to cut, like it, or not Maggie Wade. It's just to give Wade extra scenes, essentially, where she's like, yeah. "I can't believe I have to cut more people." Did it felt it felt a little bit like being at work though, didn't it? Where you're just like doing an a, like an unbelievably difficult task, and then a boss is like, "Do more," and you're like, uh, "Okay, sure, I'll, I'll make I'll make." Yeah, more. I mean that's I, that's it. It is very funny. That is basically her job during it. But uh, that's basically the idea. Is like she's constantly having to be like, we need less people. And Rembrandt's like, put the boy on the list. Put the boy on the list. She's like, I need to cut another 150 people. Yeah. And it is funny. He's so obsessed about putting this kid on the list. And I was like, Rembrandt, like, I don't know, man. Like, maybe there's, you know, it's, it's a horrible thing to say, but maybe there should be other people on the list too. Like, they're maybe as as important, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, Maggie and Quinn begin their search for a home again. We've mentioned this. We find this, they find this planet that's going to work because the people there are, are considerably less advanced than them. So they'll be able to easily move there. It's got all the right stuff they need. So they're like, great, we're going to, we're going to move to this planet. And uh, everything's, everything's coming together basically to get the like few people that are allowed to slide off the planet. And we finally, Arturo finally comes into this episode, these two episodes, and it's because Arturo's looking over the research into their slide technology. And as he's looking at it, he's just like, oh, the, the numbers on this don't make sense. You could easily slide more than 140 people. Yeah. Easily. And Arturo goes and confronts Colonel Rickman. He's just like, hey, why are we dropped the capacity to 140? And Rickman's just like, I don't know. I'm just, I, I only want to bring 140, I decided. Which, as you said, Jordan, makes no sense. Like, he clearly needs brain juice. So why would he only bring yeah. And Arturo's just like, well, you know what? I don't like it. And I'm going to tell somebody that you're not letting enough people come. And then Rickman's like, all right, well, I'm going to steal your brain juice then. Yeah, and he does. Um, but he's interrupted by Wade and Rembrandt. So he doesn't get all of his brain juice. And Artur doesn't fall into a coma, but he's got severe brain damage and he can't remember who yeah. jammed the needle into his neck. And I actually felt really bad for the actor in this part. I, it's so silly. He has to like do this like almost like baby talk or something to show that he's 
uh, being mentally incapacitated to some degree. So it's a lot of like, yeah, 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 I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is so painful to watch and not if for any of the right reasons. Yes, I know. It's, it's these actor having to do this is so sad. And he's, he doesn't remember who did it because his, that part of his brain juice was stolen, but he does remember <laughs> that his attacker came at him with a needle. And it's so funny because the, you mentioned this earlier, but like Rembrandt's just like, we should go check the cancer, the other coma patients out. And apparently in the three months when they had 20 plus people fall into comas, they did no physical search of the bodies and nobody has noticed they were all had needle marks in their necks. Yeah, like quite prominent needle mark on their neck. It's insane. It's insane. So this causes Rembrandt and Wade to be like, we better go look through Colonel Rickman's stuff. He seems very suspicious to us now because he was very interested in brain chemistry for the survivors. <laughs> and this is what happens. This is where they talk about. They go and they check out his stuff. And what they find is like, I don't know, newspaper clippings or something. And they explains why he's stealing people's brain juices. He needs this brain tissue to survive because during the Gulf War, Colonel Rickman caught a fungus and the only way the fungus won't kill his brain is to keep injecting himself with people's like brain juice to keep the fungus fed so it doesn't eat his own brain, I guess. So here was a question I had. Okay, let's say this has happened. He clearly was diagnosed in a military hospital. You would think he would just be on permanent treatment for this, would he not? Through yeah, a Yeah, you wouldn't put him back in duty. <laughs> through a like morally sustainable way of extracting this. So why they chose to, I don't know, discharge him and then put him back in his role and then he had to become a murderer, I, it, it, it's all so bizarre. And it's, it's also like waved away where you're like, that's why. Hey, remember you thought it was something interesting? Nope, fungus brain. I think, and I'm not giving them any credit for this, Jordan, but I think they imply it's like some sort of biological warfare that happened during the Gulf War. So I don't know. Maybe they're like, well, he knows the the results of it, so he can just go undercover and just steal brain. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense, though. It's just like, okay, Gulf War fungus brain eating. Sure, that's why his face morphs. Yeah, it's just like, and that's why. So anyways, that's the big reveal, why he's doing it. It doesn't make any sense, and nor do you care because there's 45 other things to pay attention to, also which you probably don't care about. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, we jump to uh, Colonel Wickman <laughs> stealing more brain juice, and uh, who should roll in in his wheelchair to catch him face morphing <laughs> but Maggie's husband. Uh, so he shoots Maggie's husband in the chest and kills him. Yeah, and it was so clear. They're like, hey, were you worried that he was going to get in the way of this romance? Don't worry. He's dead. Problem solved. Also, they don't give this character, uh, Maggie, any time to mourn, nor does she show anything. Like At one point, she's like, what? My husband's dead when she finds out? And then it's like, anyways, moving on. You got to keep this episode going. Don't think about it. Yeah. But uh, who should witness the murder but Graffiti Kid himself. So Graffiti Kid knows the truth now. Mm, yeah. But at, what has happened is all the sliders have gotten back together in the hospital, standing over Rembrandt in the coma ward. They're all, they're all very, very sad. And they're like, well... We have to get out of here. We have to try it. Now that we know that uh, something bad has happened. And they, they, they suspect Ryan, uh, Rickman now anyway. Like, there's no reason for the kid to have seen it. They already suspect Rickman's behind it all. Yeah. They're like, let's get out of here. We'll take um, Arturo with us, even though he's slightly he has some slight damage to his brain. And when they try to leave the hospital, I guess Rickman has locked them in the hospital. It's unclear, but they're trapped inside of the hospital wing. This was a beat that didn't make any sense why it's needed. And, and what you basically get is... All of them are there. It's Quinn, the whole team. This is when they have their, like, sorry, man, uh, no more tension. 
and Quinn realizes he can make a battering ram out of an oxygen tank and a gurney. <laughs> yeah, so he essentially straps an oxygen tank to a gurney, hits the end of it so it fires off. Basically, it's like propels itself based on the pressure and then explodes apart hitting the door. And they're like, cool. But I'm like, why Why is this in this episode? Jordan, because they had to use science to escape. I suppose. I mean, it's not really science, but okay. Well, it, it would be more interesting if the point of the episode was that was them getting out for some reason for the plot. But it was just like added because there was time. Well, that's just it. They need to lay the slider slightly so that Colonel Rickman can go back to the uh, evacuation where Maggie's waiting to evacuate people. And he's like, start the evacuation. Get all the 140 people through the slide hole. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, your husband was killed by a mob of civilians, so he's not coming. And also the sliders aren't coming uh, for other reasons. Don't Don't ask any questions, Maggie. Just go. And she does. Yeah. She's like, that checks out. The, the uh, evacuation's happening. The sliders bump into the graffiti kid, and the graffiti kid's like, oh, uh, Rickman's a bad guy. And they're like, okay, we kind of figured that out already, but thanks, slide kid, uh, or graffiti kid. They, uh, they kid. get to where the evacuation's happening, and they see Rickman before he slides. And everyone's gone, apparently. It's just Rickman waiting to jump into the final slide hole, and Rickman's just like, Hey, we're not, I'm not letting you come with us, uh, I guess. And he pulls out a gun. Yeah. And they do the exact same shot that they did in season two with Quinn's evil female double, where he shoots out the gun and they go to bullet time, slow yeah. motion bullet time. Except no one else is in slow motion, everyone else is in regular motion. <laughs> so, for whatever reason, the slide hole pulls on bullets harder than it pulls on everything else in the room. But yes, it's the exact scene we saw, which the bullet goes goes into bullet time, and then slows down, slow down. <laughs> but, but for some reason, it just slows down enough, and Arturo just stands there being like, I know how this is going to work out. But instead of getting shot fast, he, he gets shot slowly. <laughs> it's not even that. It's going to hit Quinn, and Quinn doesn't move. So Arturo just stands in front of Quinn. I'm like, I know, it's like, just push Quinn. Just, or just walk, or just step to the side. Yeah, it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. But it's because it's time for Arturo to die. It, hit, it hits his chest. Arturo collapses to the ground. And as he dies, Jordan, he does the slider's whisper from the opening credits. Yeah. Yeah. I did not expect those to be his last words to be like, sliders, you know, <laughs> like in the credits. And it's such an anticlimactic death because... It had nothing to do with this episode, and there was no buildup for it, and it wasn't earned at all. It's just a death because he didn't want to be on the show anymore. You know what's crazy, Jordan? What? Do you remember the beginning of this season when he was diagnosed with a fatal illness yes. that was going to kill him anyway? It never comes up. They don't bring it up ever. They're never like, I'm going to die anyway, so let me do this. Like That would be the thing you would do. Yeah. never comes up. He just gets brain damage and then shot with a bullet. I thought the exact same thing. They could have had some sort of out where it's like, you know, one of them has to keep the portal open while everyone else gets through. And he basically finally reveals to everyone, you know, Quinn knew, but the rest didn't. He's like, guys, this is the chance for me to like redeem myself or do something great. And I'm dying anyways. And I want to save as many people as I can. And that's how they kill the character. And you'd be like, wow, they sort of seeded this before. It's actually a noble death death form as opposed to a quite stupid death where a slow bullet is coming. And when I say slow, it's like someone walking over to you and he just stands there. And it's like, it's so stupid. And it's so slow, I, the bullet wouldn't have entered him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It would have just pushed him and it'd be like, ooh, that's annoying. But it does. It enters him and kills him. And like, he's dead. That's it. The character's gone. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, Rickman slides... 
the slide hole closes. The uh, the sliders are left standing over the body, but they uh, they still have their timer, and uh, they have the tech to follow the slide hole that just left. So they know where they where Rickman went to, but they just yeah. have to wait for their timer to count down. But as we've said, it'll happen after the Earth is irradiated, so they have to run down to the catacombs to hide. They've got like a Geiger counter, and they're like, we only have a few more seconds before we're irradiated to death, which I'm just like, I think if it's getting to that point, you're probably sick enough to die, but yeah. fine. <laughs> Slide hole opens just in time. They escape uh, with the graffiti kid and they end up on the new world. And um, as we sort of alluded to on this new world, we see Rickman. He's he's setting up camp. He like gets Maggie, who, you're, as you said, is mourning nobody's death. She's just there taking orders. And he's like, all right, Maggie, first things first, enslave the native population to build us a city. And Maggie's like, what? He's like, who's your boss? And she's like, OK, I'll enslave them. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, she doesn't make a lot of decisions, nor does she really set up her character as someone you want to support too much in the future. Yeah, it's very odd. But very quickly, the sliders arrive. They pull Maggie aside and they tell him the truth about Rickman. He's put people in the comas. He's murdered everyone. He has brain fungus. And she's just like, this is all so much to understand. And Quinn says to her, quote, do you want answers or do you want justice? <laughs> That's right. And then she responds, I want vengeance. I know. She's just like, give me revenge. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I think I want answers. Yeah. It's just like, we're really close to the end of the episode. So let's not stop to talk. <laughs> yeah. And and so we get like a, a kind of an action scene where, oh, I like this part too where Quinn's like, give me your gun. And she's like, only if you tell me why. And he's like, give me your gun. He's like, only if you tell me why. And I wanted to be like, Quinn, why don't you just get her on your side? She clearly knows how to use a gun better than you. But yeah. you have to give him a gun. <laughs> Quinn needs vengeance, though. Quinn's so upset about Arturo, he needs a gun. And anyway, Quinn and Maggie go after Colonel Rickman, who's like, I don't know, gathering water from a stream or something. <laughs> they get in a fight. Rickman uses his slide timer to escape to a new world. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically what this is, it's giving the sliders a new mission. His timer has the coordinates to Quinn's Earth. So these sliders are going to have to go after Rickman, chase him as he slides across the universe, in order to get that slide timer back so that they can get the coordinates back to that earth. Yeah. And because uh, Maggie wants revenge, she's going to join them. So they have a full four-man team, I guess. That's 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 basically they're now establishing a brand new mission for the series sliders, which is the exact same mission, but in reverse, they did when uh, with Quinn's evil female double. That's right. And that one was that Quinn's evil female double also had a timer. And she was mad at them, and she was going to follow them as they slid. So they've kind of just flopped that concept around. Um, so now what we have is we have them chasing evil Rickman while they are, in theory, being chased by evil uh, female Quinn. That's right. So there you go. New enemy, which I don't know if he's going to come back, but he's not a great enemy. At least he's chewing up that scenery. That's something, I guess. That's true. That's true. Anyway, the sliders have a quick funeral for Arturo, which very fast they just stand around being sad and rembrandt's just like i promise i'll write a really classy song uh, in honor of uh, arturo one day and i'm like okay great and then wade says as she's mourning she's like she believes in an afterlife so she believes they'll see arturo again and i was just like you guys already definitively proved in that one episode there was an afterlife and they exist and uh, that <laughs> happens so you don't have to believe in it anymore like there is an afterlife you guys have already discovered it yeah also there was an easier way. Why don't you just slide to another planet and go find an Arturo that's just like him. Take him with you. I will say I read an IMDb review for this episode. Mm-hmm. 
and the run- person who wrote the review was just like, "It's fine, everybody. Don't you remember that episode where they uh, there were two Arturos and we never saw which whether the evil one or the good one slid with them? The good one's still alive somewhere. It's fine. This was the <laughs> evil one all along." And I'm like, "Now that is a man who's solving a problem." <laughs> yeah, that is pretty good. Anyway. They're going to leave. They're going to chase down Rickman. That's the new plot. And as they go to leave, Rembrandt takes the graffiti kid aside, who's now an orphan, as you remember, because they left both his coma parents to die on the irradiated planet. And Rembrandt promises to return as soon as they find the timer and, like, essentially adopt this kid. And I'm like, Rembrandt, you're going to adopt this child and bring him back to your poison earth? He can't go to your poison earth. (laughs) Well, not only that, what I thought of was, Okay, so the only people who really seemed to know the plan were the evil corporal and uh, Maggie, right? That they were going to use, uh, essentially create slavery so they could build this society. Those people are, are leaving and they're gone now. There's just these random 140 people who don't know anything about the world they're in. And they've just, they're just leaving them. They're just like, yeah. there you go, everyone. I was like, well, this is not going to go well. These people have no supplies. Uh, no shelter, no skills. They're just left on a on a apparently barren planet, which has none of the things that you'd have wanted when you joined a planet. Like something that's similar to Earth that has, or at least similar to our level of technology that has houses and all these things that people are used to. Not like send them to a primitive world where they're going to have to build a hut. I'm pretty sure the uh, staff of the Roanoke military base are going to be just <laughs> fine. <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> it's very good. i know it, it's very silly and like the final beat of this episode is they're like let's go let's slide after him they're gonna find like a, they're gonna find a new planet and there's a dead guy who's got his brain juice sucked out but rickman's already gone but the real the real final beat that i love the most is like they're like let's slide and maggie's like i'm coming with you i'm joining the team and it cuts to wade looking angry and jealous and i'm like what yeah well, because she's like, there's a there's a woman and she might be hotter than me. And they're like, because that's what the writers are saying. And I was just like, oh, okay. Well, that was a weird shot of her. They make their shoot that shot. And I was just like, oh my God, this is so stupid. Yeah. As opposed to just like, here's a new character. It's like, they don't give any of them anything to do. And then they kill Arturo. They give him a dumb send off and they introduce a new character. And it's just like, this is the dynamic. Okay, sure. Yeah, new new missions for the sliders, new characters join them, and a very terrible love triangle has started. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's a two-parter. Well, Jordan, before we get into ratings and such, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's time for an old Sid Gomez four-word eulogy for Arturo. <laughs> oh, man, I have to think of that. I forgot we did this. It's been a while since the character died. That's true. It's been a while. Okay, I think I've got one. All right, let's hear it. Loved women ate hot dogs. No, that's pretty good. I was going to say a yeah. uh, friendly neighborhood sexual predator. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yours wins. Yours is much better. <laughs> You're right, though. He did love women and love hot dogs. That is true. Yeah. yeah. These are these are his character traits. <laughs> those are the character traits. Because they were like, hey, he's a little bit chubby. He Wouldn't it be hilarious if he was uh, a, a sexual being and uh, also ate? Yeah, it's crazy. I've got a bunch of final notes for us here, Jordan, because I, I got a bunch of mm-hmm. stuff that I, I, I tracked in this uh, or I found out afterward. One of them I'm going to note here, Jordan, apparently in an episode we didn't watch, they went back to the original Earth at some point. Mm-hmm. And on that episode, they didn't realize they were back in the original Earth because his mom had fixed the squeak in the gate. So apparently, apparently this doesn't actually follow canon. So maybe he wasn't on his original Earth. 
Okay, you know what's funny, Luke, is that's one of the few episodes I actually remember watching as a kid. I remember watching that episode where he goes back to Earth and they're like, it's, and they have to, they don't have time, they leave. And then you get a line at the end of the episode, they're like, hey, good thing we fixed that, that gate. And you're like, oh no, they were on Earth the whole time. And that, that's, that's one of the episodes I remember. Yeah, yeah. So they, writers themselves had forgot they'd done that. So that, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, he didn't, he, to be fair, he didn't give much time on this, uh, oxygen sucking planet they didn't uh, spend much time to find out if there was anything weird yeah there would have been another line where the mom said i fixed the gate a few months ago but it broke again <laughs> yeah <laughs> another fun fact jordan as happens as we've seen on these shows and we knew about sliders is the episodes had been scheduled out of order in general mm-hmm. um so there was an episode after this where arturo was still alive oh that's so bad but they decided to remedy that because what they did is they did some adjustments to make the entire episode a flashback <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> Which I think that's a bold move. Yeah, I wonder how that worked out. Probably not well. Uh, I, it must have been a very, it must have been a very funny bookends where Rembrandt's sitting around, it's like, remember that time? And then just like a thought bubble comes out of his head and the episode starts. <laughs> like, remember that time a week ago when he was still alive? Anyways, here's something that happened. And I don't know if you noticed this. You probably did and maybe you've forgotten about it. But in the opening credits for part one, when they get to the written by part, there's a bottom part that says story by John Reese Davies. Oh, I don't remember that. Yes. So in the first episode of Exodus, it says written by two other writers and then story by John Reese Davies, the actor of Arturo. And then the second episode, that story by credit is no longer there. And I was like, that is really strange because this is a two-parter. You would think the story by if he had, mm-hmm. if he had come up with an idea they'd used. So I looked into it and it turns out it's not just that he wrote an idea for an episode. John Reese davies wrote an entire script for an episode, Jordan. He submitted it, and they took it, and then they decided they were going to heavily rewrite it to the oh. point that he is very mad. He didn't like the episode. They didn't understand the science of the episode. They switched a lot of people's, like, purposes. They did a lot of that. And then he wasn't going to die in the script he wrote. They took a script he wrote. They extended it to two episodes, ignored most of it, and then forced him to die with brain damage in it as a final insult as he was leaving the show. So they took a script he wrote, ruined it, and then killed him in it. Well, that's, I mean, I can see why he maybe doesn't have nice things to say about sliders. You can really see that the behind the scenes of this is by some like cruel machination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I did read, you know, we've, I think we've spoken about it before, is that he was getting more and more vocal about how much he didn't like the scripts and how bad he thought they were getting. And I'm sure on the other side of it, right or wrong, I think I probably would agree with him, but the writers, I'm sure, didn't want to hear how bad their scripts were. You know, you know, it's like you're working on something and an actor's telling you that it's crappy. I'm sure you're going to go, oh, you think it's crappy? Guess what? Slow bullet death. I do love the idea. It's like, it's so crappy. I'm going to write my own episode about Pulsars where I've done the research. And I'm going to like hand it in to show you what a good episode looked like. And they're like, oh, yeah, wait till we get done with it. <laughs> yeah, because these are not good episodes. All right, John, should we get into ratings then? Yeah. What do you want to give to uh, Exodus Part 1, the Exodus Part 1? You know, it's weird because we've come back to this after watching a few other shows. And in some ways, it's kind of colored my opinion as to, do I go higher or lower this? Because... I think at its core, Sliders is kind of a fun, dumb show, or at least it's had those moments. This is not, though, and I just, I know there's something kind of dark and angry about these episodes that I just don't think works with Sliders, or it's like a one-off episode of, like, 
I don't know. There's just no fun. I didn't find any fun in this episode at all. And it was just like a half episode of setup. I'm giving this a two and a half out of 10. I did not enjoy it. Two and a half, eh? Yeah. I'm going to give it a five. It's not a good episode oh of Sliders, gosh. but it's a pretty average episode of Sliders. And there was some stuff in it that was very funny to me. Like, I found the introduction of the new character incredibly funny and like, just the idea that it's like we need to have them in love with each other. I'm just like, this is so insane. This is the most insane thing. And then to go to slide to the world of the giants, Jordan, insane. What an insane thing to witness. What an insane idea to like execute on in what is like, they're like, this is a serious episode where they have to choose who lives and dies. Also, here's the funniest, silliest world you've ever seen. I know. I, I didn't like it at all. So, and the face morphing, like the reveal of the face morphing, I don't know. It's not a good episode, but there's enough weirdness in it that I'm just like, ah, I, I, like, I'm glad to be back with these characters for a few minutes. This show is still as bad as it's ever been, but like, it has its charm to its badness. So I'm just, but I, you know, it's not a good show. I'm going to give it a five, straight down the middle. Yeah. I, I should say most of the points are just that Jerry O'Connell is getting hotter with every episode. He is getting hotter with every episode, isn't he? <laughs> All right. Part two, Jordan. Uh, marginally better. Uh, I'm going to give it a three to 10. It's it's at least a conclusion to something I didn't care about. And I feel the opposite. I actually hate the second episode more. I was just like, right? I thought it was so dumb. Oh, come they're, was, they're both dumb. It was just like got worse, got worse and worse. I like the abrupt acknowledgement of a fungus in the Gulf War. I, that explanation was so dumb and so thrown away. I like that. I can't believe they did that to John Reese Davis. I can't believe they're like, I knew they were going to kill him at that point, but like that they took his brain juice but not all the way so that like they're like oh now he's just like can't speak properly so the rest of the episode this poor actor has to just like speak in monosyllabic like methods and like mumble all the time and then to slowly shoot him in the chest was just like so dumb and then yeah i mean there's nothing there's nothing fun in the second episode it's all dumb i'm gonna go i'm i'll give it also i'll give it also a three i do like roger daltrey i think he's having the most fun Oh, yeah, he's pretty good in this. And also, um, Jerry O'Connell's getting hotter. Yeah, yeah, one point for that. <laughs> so, I, not not a great score. No, not a great return to sliders, Jordan. No. On that note, we haven't... Do you want to find out where we are ratings-wise for sliders? Well, yeah, it's been a while. I can't remember what we were at. No, no, I'm a little worried about skate pod things now. <laughs> yeah, I, I went a little low. Sorry, sliders, you... you did make me watch that for an hour and a half. And you're a Sliders apologist at that, so that's really I know, that's true. I just want it to be fun. Like, you know what? Like, honestly, if it was a thing where, like, there's a catastrophe happening and the whole episode was them sliding to weird planets, I'd have rather watched that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I, I agree it wasn't a good first episode, but I'm just so used to Sliders being not very good now that uh, I was like, this is passable Sliders. <laughs> yeah, fair. All right, Jordan, I'm going to punch in these numbers. All right, Jordan, I've punched the numbers in, and we're in uncharted territory. That's right, yeah. <laughs> the The numbers came back on Sliders, and with the the sum total of everything Sliders has done so far, the rating is at 4.85, Jordan. But hold on this, hold on the uh, the Star Trek uh, uh, red, uh, red alert. I think because we're coming back mid-season... Let's let's treat it like it's the beginning of a new season of this of uh, beginning of a new show. So we'll, we'll give it a chance to redeem itself. Yeah, yeah. We just you know not that we discussed this uh, while we were punching in the numbers, but you know we are just coming back to it. It's almost like doing a new show, and we just like are getting back into it after watching some other stuff. So we want to give Sliders a bit of a chance. 
So I guess like what we do with most shows, we'll give it we'll give it three podcast episodes and then we'll like really consider the escape pod again. So Sliders will live to see another day despite that abysmal outing. It's on like a uh, uh, academic uh, uh, probation. probation. Yeah, yeah. Just like me in university. <laughs> Is that right? Were you on that? Every year. <laughs> I don't know if I was on academic probation. Uh, well, I mean, Jordan, I'll be honest. I think it's worth putting on academic probation in that we're moving into season four next. And yeah. it, it's going to become a different show. So, like, I think it's fair to say it's just like what we're leaving here. Like, this is the final episode of what Sliders was to start with. Yeah. It, yeah. First Death of Arturo. I honestly think because we're coming back in season four, I'm pretty sure Wade leaves this season as well. So we're going to be coming into a brand new show. Um, so in some yeah. ways, I think it's a fair reassessment of Sliders. I think what we can say is that by the end of our best of run and in the original in, like the original idea of Sliders, when the original creators were more or less in control with the original cast, we came to the point where that period of Sliders was rated 4.85. So let's find out what Sliders becomes as it becomes a new show going forward. <laughs> Yeah, we should almost have two scores, an overall score, and then each half. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe by the end we'll yeah. have a, a, a original sliders and then the retools, the perpetually retooled slider score. The the Rembrandt sliders. <laughs> Honestly, just give Rembrandt the sliders. Let yeah. him have it. Yeah, it's him, him and that kid he finds who dies instantly by going back to Earth and his lungs explode. It's true. It really. I, now I'm just worried about Maggie. She's just going to go to another planet and just die. Like she can't. Apparently her her oxygen abilities are D- terrible. Don't worry. They're gonna. That's they're never gonna ever come back up again. There's no way they're gonna be like. Oh, we have to give her a special oxygen tank every time they slide. Yeah, yeah. They'll they'll finally when her and Quinn fall in love. They'll finally invented a uh, like a device they install in her neck so she can breathe his Earth's air. <laughs> or he he's gonna be like the only way you can do it is by kissing me on every planet. Oh, it'll fix you. <laughs> yeah, she's like, okay, sounds right to me. He did flatter me, and he's a man. All right. Well, that wraps it up for our first return episode to Sliders, Jordan. Of course, uh, we've now finished season three of our best of run, so we may have missed uh, an episode. You're like, I saw a better episode of that. There really was one where they went to ancient Egypt, and you could have watched that instead. <laughs> <laughs> or you could have watched that one, that Dune Buggy episode where that poor man died. Oh, good. Oh, God. Um, yeah. This is what... It, this is what bonus episodes for charity is for you can make a donation to a list of charities as selected by our past guests it's all they're all listed on our website continuumdrag.podbean.com there's a there's a link in the banner there that'll bring you to bonus episodes for charity you can make a donation to a charity and we will go back and watch an episode of your choosing from sliders one of the ones you've skipped if it's another best of run that we've skipped you can pick that if it's one of our other episodes where we didn't do a best of run but we took the escape pod so we missed one of the first season episodes of a show maybe you want us to go back and watch some more freaky links or something who who's to say <laughs> um, but this is a way for you to get a bonus episode you make a donation to charity we record a bonus episode you can get all the details on our website continuedrag.pondbead.com and on our social media there's a link in our bio to it as well so have a look there and otherwise, uh, that about wraps it up. So uh, go to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you'll see clips from these two episodes. You'll see pulsars. You'll see slow motion bullets. You'll see the end of uh, old Arturo, that's for sure. Yeah, maybe him going like, me, 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 me. And you're like, oh, this is odd. <laughs> and you can find that all at Continuum Drag. But that wraps it up. So, listener, thank you for joining us on our return to Sliders. And, Jordan, I will see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario and Seoul, South Korea. 
theme music by James Rick Seedler, produced by Jordan Dalek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes.